Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Today we want to talk about Diotrephes. Diotrephes. And we are starting from verse 9. We're starting from verse 9. All right. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. I want to read it from the Amplified Version. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to put himself first, does not accept what we say and refuses to recognize my authority. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to what he's doing, unjustly accusing us with wicked words and unjustified charges, and not satisfied with this, he refuses to receive the missionary, the missionary brothers himself and also forbids those who want to welcome them and puts them out of the church. Verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. The one who practices good, exhibiting godly character, moral courage, and personal integrity is of God. The one who practices or permits or tolerates evil has not seen God. The Amplified Version puts bracket, he has no personal experience with him. Now, in in talking about third John, like we started talking about, we said the the key focus of of Apostle John the Beloved was to talk about the receiving of traveling missionaries and hospitality and how we deal with that. Now, we looked at Gaius um, before now, and we saw the, 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 the example that Gaius brought forth. And what did we identify in the life of Gaius? He supported the truth. He supported traveling missionaries. He was hospitable to traveling missionaries. And therefore, he was a partaker or a fellow worker with the truth. Now, some theologians say the word Dreothephos in the, in the Greek um, has to do with the one who has allegiance to Zeus. Uh, maybe the one who had a, rela- a relationship with Zeus. Something like that. Which probably was named after the, the Greek god. And what that means is that he was an aristocrat. That means he had a level of wealth or he had a level of influence. And because of that, we pick out one characteristic about the Otrophers that, um, that John wanted us to see and not to imitate. Now, so we said in 3 John, it talks about Gaius, it talks about the Otrophers, and then it talks about Demetrius. And Gaius and Demetrius were positive examples. Why Diotrephes was what? Or is rather a negative example. Um, so, um, John commends Gaius 
John commends Demetrius, but now those words uh, condemns the action of Diotrephus. What's the first thing we find out about him? Number one, the scripture says he loves preeminence. He loves preeminence. He loves preeminence. He wants to be first. And that's something that we must always watch for in the body of Christ. You know, nothing we do in church should be out of competition. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Neither giving, nor preaching, nor serving, nor singing should be out of competition. Underlying this spirit is a spirit of pride, which seeks recognition, which is not godlike. And because of this, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's especially because of the way, I also think that sometimes our cultural background affect the way we, when we come to Christianity, we don't drop a lot of things. We just bring everything in and try to mix it up. You know, we live in a society where when you have a bit of power, it's like everybody runs around you. It's like, you know, people rally around you, you know, and, and unconsciously we even bring that into the body of Christ. The, the scripture clearly teaches that if we are to be the greatest, we must be the servant of all. Church leadership has never been about who is first. It's about who can serve. And some, somehow we need to renew our minds concerning this. We need to renew our mind concerning this. So the Eutrophus seeks to have what? Preeminence. And beneath that was the spirit of what? Of pride. Now, the word preeminence, it means to be fond of being first, to be ambitious, to love to come first. But this is exactly against the teaching of scriptures. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 28. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 28. Let's look at when the mother of John you know, came to express the desire for the kids to have, to, to you know, to... To be leaders. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons kneeling down, very nice, and asking something from him. Verse 21. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. Verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. And are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? They said to him, we are well able. Amazing. So he said to them, you know, and all that. But you see, let's, let's go to verse 25. Let me see that. Verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. You know, one of the things I try to always emphasize is when you study scripture, you, you realize that uh, the scripture captures the emotions of people, even the way it is today. You know, sometimes we read scriptures and we just feel that, man, those disciples were perfect. No, they weren't. They weren't. When they heard that these two guys were going for the positions, they were angry. Why were they angry? Some of them also wanted those positions. Who doesn't want to sit at the right hand of Jesus? And see, they were angry at the two brothers. And of course, you know, this was going to cause an issue and Jesus had to address it. Verse 25. Now, let's see how Jesus addresses this. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, 
and those who are great exercise authority over them. Verse 26. Yet it shall not be so among you. Jesus recognizes how the world leads. He says, listen, if it's out there, you know, we, we, we had a pastor's training yesterday um, with my dad. We had to train maybe like 50, 60 pastors. And this was what I taught on. Not so among you. You know, sometimes we have to remind ourselves as ministers that it's not so among us. Because it's almost like, you know, I mean, I, I, you, you talk to some pastors and they're like, man, we have to be strategic about church. There's nothing wrong about being strategic. And how are we going to be strategic? You're reading how they run Coca-Cola, how they are running airlines, 58 laws of power, 48 laws of power, and, uh, you know, strategic thinking. If care is not taken, you'll just become a CEO. You know, how Virgin builds the largest company. You are studying this, you are studying that. The Bible is big enough. I'm not saying you shouldn't read all those books, but if you're not careful, you will just begin to see the church as business. And some people will say, yes, it is business because Jesus said, I must be after my father's business. And then you are looking at how they manage coke. And you know, when when you're not careful, you start seeing people as products, right? As customers. What's going to make the customers happy? Let's let's serve them cake when they come in the morning. Let's preach a message that I feel. And before you know, but the scripture says it's not so among us. That if we want to be the greatest, then we must serve. Praise God. That a leader in the church should not be known for his position. He should be known for his service. And that's why sometimes division comes in the body of Christ. What we should all contribute to build, we all start tearing down because we're looking for positions. I mean, that's one of the things that I get so scared about, about putting people in positions. That's why I don't have many units and many leaders, you know, women fellowship, men fellowship, boys, boys going up. This one. I mean, at the end of the day, it will become a tall soul of leadership. You have served your term. It's my term to serve during our tenure. This, and before you, we will just lose focus of what we came here for. And all we are doing, ah, I have observed, you know, people can just observe things that are not there. I've observed that the past two women leader is from the East. You just begin to just, and before you know, people will start saying, oh, the Spirit of God is telling us that this person should be women leader. Before you know, it's because the person is from the West. And then we just bring politics. So that's why for me, it's simple. Let's just all hear the word of God and go home. And keep this thing, because, you see, the more we internally struggle over positions, the more we lose the focus that there are people who are not saved, who need to get saved. Are you following what I'm saying? The church was never designed for us to just do enough programs to entertain ourselves. The church was not designed so that we can, you know, just have our needs met. We have this program. We have this conference. It was not designed to be innovative about conferences. The primary purpose of the church is to win the lost. That's the primary purpose. It's good to have women's conferences. Yes, women of Jewess, Jewess of women, purple ladies meetings, excellent. But that's not the core. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's teach women how to make bedsheet. Let's teach them how to make soap. Perfect. But we're not here to run an employment agency. We're here to save people from hell. That's the purpose. So it's not for want of programs, but rather focusing on the main thing. Why? Because if if the Atrophos was focused on building the church, he will not be seeking for preeminence. 
There are many platforms all around the world you can exercise your leadership skills and capacity. The church is never a place to tussle for who is leading. In fact, when they call you to lead in church, you should feel an overwhelming sense that, listen, I'm now going to become a servant of all these people. You know, I've seen people, you know, the ordination ceremony, there's nothing wrong with it. The, 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 the party that goes with the ordination. Like, I'm going to be ordained on the 17th of April. Be there. <laughs> Print cards. Kill ram. Go. Take pictures. Snap. Lay hands. Take snap the anointing oil. Is it, it's because you don't know the, the intensity of the servitude that God is calling you to. Ordination is a time for sober reflection. Knowing that the destinies of men are going to depend on the words that come out of your mouth. Knowing that you no longer have a private life. That everything about you is going to count. Are you following what I'm saying? And if we all have that approach towards leadership, we will not seek preeminence. And so John had to pick this guy out. The church of us was seeking preeminence. Now let's go on. Even the Pharisees, Jesus had to speak against this spirit in them. Matthew chapter 23, verse 6 to 12. Paul taught in Romans 12, 10. Let's do Romans 12, 10. Paul taught in Romans 12, 10 that in the matters of honor, we should give preference to one another. Romans 12, verse 10. In the matters of honor, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. In honor giving what? Preference to one another. That's what the scripture teaches. We give preference to one another. We put others before us. That's the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 to 8. The mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. How God, how Christ taught it not robbery to be equal with God. Alright. And you know be of one mind and all that. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or concept, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. You know, this is a key if we have to build a strong church. If we have to build a strong church, esteeming others better than you. That's why, I mean, my, my brother leads worship and a couple of our guys leads worship. And, and one of the things, you know, that I also try to tell worship people all the time is you, you find out that sometimes... You know, if we want to have a music concert, like we just want to come and be entertained, it's fantastic. But if we're having a worship program, then really what people want to do is to worship God. Right? Because if you're not careful, then you turn the worship program to become uh, uh, a talent show. Right? You know, if we're having a music program where we're doing competition and then people have to win some award, it's perfect. It's a godly thing. But if we really need to worship, now it's no longer about you. It's about helping us access the manifest presence of God. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's not about this star coming, this star coming. We, we don't do celebrities in the Christian faith. It's not so among us. Even if you're into the ministry of music, you're there to serve. It's not to seek preeminence. You know, I, you see that all, <clears throat> all the time. Sometimes with the music ministry, when the day that you're singing, you're all pumped up with energy, you, you know, then the day you're the one doing the backup, you're just there. We know you. That's the Eltrophus. One preeminence. <laughs> Praise God. 
your face is not on the flyer, you won't give your best. Hallelujah. Just put your face there. I went to preach somewhere in East Africa. And there were a couple of churches who came together. Maybe like six churches. And um, I was to preach. And the six churches had two assistant pastors. I didn't see the flyer. When I got there, I saw the flyer. It was like an arm knock. All the, the, the six churches, the pastor, the, assi- the, the pastor, of course, you know, it has to be the pastor and the pastor's wife. So the pastor, the pastor's wife, the associate pastor. The pastor, the pastor's wife, the associate pastor. The pastor, the pastor's wife, the associate pastor. Six. All of them were there. And I was somewhere. I couldn't even find myself. And I said, why did you bring the flyer like this? Say, no, if that picture don't appear, they won't cooperate in the program. Are you joking? Praise God. It's about him. It's not about us. It's about us. It cannot be about him. You must be deliberate about this. This thing I'm, I'm doing, is it just to seek preeminence? Is it because I want to lord it over people? Praise the name of the Lord. You know, there's something my dad will always say, and I've never forgotten that. When Jesus was to be crucified, they needed uh, his disciple to kiss him, to identify him. But you know, for us today, you don't need anybody to identify the pastor. It's clear. By his suit, you know this is the man. By where he sits, you know this is the guy. By the arrangement around him, the way people start running. You just see movements. You just know that's the guy. That must be the man of God. Sometimes some of those things may be good for crowd control and the rest, but as much as it's in our power, let's not draw attention to ourselves. It's difficult because the human nature loves it. Immediately you test power a bit. Praise God. It's very interesting. I remember the first time I joined the energy bus to the jetty. From the jetty to the airport. I was going to, uh, was going to Abuja. And then we got there when the bus was still going. There was military escort in front. And man, the road was just, but that cut, it was nothing like hold up. It was just going straight. And then there was another time I was going, the bus had stopped. I got in a taxi. There was hold up everywhere. And I remembered my past life. I wish there was escort. You understand? Whether you like it or not, to the human, you just like the fact that you are just going, pushing people aside. Well, it's not your fault. Is it, is it my fault? No, it's not my fault. But there's something about those things that you like. There's something about preeminence that attaches itself to our heart that we must deliberate, we'll be very deliberate about to say, listen, when it comes to this kingdom, our greatness is rated by our humility. When it comes to this kingdom, when we see a great man, we're not looking at the man who is full of himself. We're looking at the man that is humble. And you know, it's difficult sometimes to switch your mind because in the world out there, humility is almost weakness. It's how aggressive you are. It's how you can push to the top. It's how you can hustle to the top. That makes you a big man. But the scripture says, not so among you. Everybody say not so. so. Alright. So with lowliness of mind, we esteem each other better than himself. Alright. The next thing we find about 
Diotrephus was that he rejected apostolic authority. He rejected apostolic authority. John says in 3 John, go back to 3 John now. He says he does not receive us. Because he wanted preeminence, he did not receive the messengers and the message that John was bringing. He does not receive us. He rejected apostolic authority. There can be people in the local church who who does not receive the authority of the pastor. They were both in the same local church. Gaius and the Theotrophus were both in the same local church. So the, the truth of the matter is that you can be in a local church and have a different heart entirely. Praise the name of the Lord. You can be in a local church. None of the announcements consigns you. Let's do this. It's what you want to do. That's fine. Let's come for a meeting. It's when you're free. Let's all do this. You know, you can be in a local church and never listen to any authority. You just do your own. If it's convenient for me, it's fine. We have a program. That's your business. And that's the spirit of the earth of us. He will not receive us. Reject apostolic authority. You know, I'll tell you something. One of, the, one, of the, one of the things that, one of the ways you can also know that, you know, the spirit of humility is working in your heart is when you can submit to the person that the Lord has placed over you, even though you might be above that person in many things, in education, in wealth, in height, in size, in, in whatever, even in spiritual knowledge. But your ability to say, the Lord has placed me here right now, and I sub- subject myself to authority is a proof of your humility. Because we live in a world that there's no subjection to authority. There's no subjection. There's no subjection. There's no order anymore. You know, I was reading something funny. Well, I don't have an opinion on that. Just, just read it. And people um, read some stuff. Some ladies are saying, no, you, can't get ma- you can get married and not take your husband's name. Taking your husband's name is by choice. You know, all kinds of things. Everybody just want to be independent. Say, so, well, we can just have a child and not just be married. Just, just give me a child and it's fine. I want to be on my own. Everybody just wants to be on their own. Because it's easy for all of us to live the way we want if we're on our own. Even if you ask your child now, your child wants to move out. Yeah. Tell your child, do you want to stay alone? You know, in those days when parents are going out, children will say, we want to go with you. Now you say they are going out. say, okay, when are you coming back? They don't want to stay on their own and just watch TV. Nobody wants control. Why? Because we don't like to be under authority. Authority reveals a lot in our hearts. If, including the workplace. You know, most people hate their managers and hate their supervisors. Not probably because those people are bad, but just because that you have to tell somebody, sir, is a problem to you. That's just the problem. It's not that probably they are bad, but you don't just like it. Surely when you are a man and then the manager is a woman. Ah! It's, it's double hala. How? And look at her. And look at her. If you were working better, you would probably be the manager. It's because you talk too much and you're not working. Do we subject ourselves to authority? When we say we have corporate prayers, do we participate in it? Because it's easy to look at Joseph and say, man, that guy was a bad guy. How can this guy, I mean, imagine somebody rejecting the apostolic authority of a disciple who walked with Jesus. He wasn't just rejecting anybody. He was rejecting John. The 
This is John, the main, the main John, the original John. This is not China John. This is the main John that walked with Jesus. And Diotrephus called his bluff. It's the same thing. Do we subject to authority? When we say the church has a vision, are we all part of it? Do you feel fine? Our pastor teaches well. I can get the message, but just leave him. And these are the things we should always examine. Praise the name of the Lord. So he did not receive apostolic authority. Rejected apostolic authority. Now, in the teachings of scripture, God has always instituted authority in the body of Christ. Matthew 28 verse 18 and Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 to 22. Jesus delegated his authority to the apostles. John 13, 20. Let's read John 13, 20. Jesus delegated his authority to the apostles. John 13 and verse 20. John 13, 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, use the new King James, why do you keep switching? He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. It means that when John, when Deotrephus was rejecting the authority of John, whose authority was he rejecting ultimately? The authority of Jesus. You know, everywhere there must be apostolic order. There must be a leader. Praise God. Don't be known for somebody who flaunts authority. Jesus delegated his authority. There are many things that God will do in your life. He will do to the men he has sent into your life. To the authority in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, one of the things that, that, uh, one of the things that we learned growing up, right? was the fact that any, any adult could correct us. You know, for instance, you were going on the streets, you weren't dressed properly, you did something wrong, a guy can just call you and correct you. Right. But you know why? And then, we were so fearful of adults. We were not just respectful of our parents, we were respectful of adults. How I many of you understand what I'm saying? But now, you, you, what's happening in our own generation is because when someone else corrects your child, then you take the battle to their gates. And then you keep hearing words that you can correct your child, but just leave my child alone. That is how he is. And, and then, you know, right now you can even see a young child doing something wrong, but for the fear of the parent's reaction, you just leave them. And when we have trained these children not to respect any authority except us, they go into school, and they mess up. They respect teachers. Take kids and go and fight teachers because you have money. Because you earn more than the teachers. You don't know that you're destroying the honor of those children for, teach, for, 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 for teachers. Get on the car and slam the pastor. Ah, don't mind them in church. No, don't, don't, don't mind them. And they will say they are pastors. And your child is at the back seat. You think he's not hearing. He's playing game. He's listening to you. And the next day you're saying, well, you need to go to church. He's wondering. Which church? The same guy. Why? Because we have to not only teach that we respect authority, we've got to live it. 
Praise God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, I've been in ministry for, for, for 11 years now, full time. I, 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 I can do my own stuff within the ministry. I'll tell you something. I was talking to my wife, and uh, I really wanted to go back to campus. I used to do a lot of campus outreach work with young people. I really wanted to go back to campus. So I called a couple of campus pastors. We set up a meeting. I printed the flyer. It was for June 13 and 14. I wanted to do a two-days meeting. And I remembered, oh, I've not told my dad about it. So I just called him. I said, oh, I want to go do campus outreaches and all that. And he said, when? He said, no, I think your travel will be too much. Um, cancel it. Well, <laughs> I tried to explain to him. He said, no, I just think you shouldn't do it. So, I had to call the guys back. Like, okay, guys, let's, let's cancel. Is that a man of God? We're already preparing. You can't prepare. Cancel it. Did I feel bad? I felt bad. I didn't sleep well that night. I mean, if you know me, I'm a going guy. I'm let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I just I'll just turn in, turn in. I remember just say, I know it's because of the program they canceled. I said yes. Did I feel bad that the program was canceled? Yes. Did he give me enough reason to cancel it? No, I'm the one traveling, it's not him. Is he giving me money for it? No. But am I under authority? Yes. I can't now say the Holy Ghost is leading me. The Holy Ghost can't lead me against the constituted authority. That's just it. Program is canceled. No explanation, nothing. You can't say now you are not happy with the man. They are not allowing your ministry to flourish. Which ministry? Are you following what I'm saying? We can't just teach it. We have to live it. Praise God. There are invitations I've gotten. I've got ticket ready. And I said, oh, I didn't tell. And I take, and I said, no, you can't go. Don't worry, you can't go. Like, I bought the ticket. No, you're not going. Simple. If I go, he won't go and hold the plane me there and say, don't drop him. But you see, sometimes living on that considered authority might be difficult for your flesh. That's why I tell people, and listen carefully, I want to say it with all the humility in my heart. If you can't listen to the one who leads you, you shouldn't be in that church. Don't manage a church, including this one. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't say, I'm just there for the time being. Leave. Because it won't do anybody good. Are you following what I'm saying? The body of Christ was designed to walk in that seamless flow. And it not only starts in the church, it also starts from where? From the home. That's where we learn authority. That's where we learn how to respect authority. So we find out that one of the things that John was condemning in the life of Josephus was that he was not subject to apostolic authority. Now, what's the third thing? Let's read. Go back to third John. Therefore, if I come, third John, verse 10. Therefore, if I come, I'll call to mind his deeds, which he does, planting against us with malicious words. What did this guy you know, he started speaking against John. And that's, that's something that happens. That when, when people seek authority and they don't have it, they start speaking against authority. Malicious words. Praise God. Start speaking against John and, content, and not content with that. He himself does not receive the brethren. And forbidding those who wish to put them out of the church. The funny thing about this guy is, now he speaks against John. He doesn't receive John. He speaks against him. And that's not enough. He stops receiving traveling missionaries. 
The very thing that Gaius was commended for, Diotrephes does not do. He does not receive traveling missionaries. You know, some of us have had very bad experiences with pastors and we put all of them in the same basket. You know, some people just swear, no pastor will ever take my money again. No one. I would rather go and give my money to beggars. <laughs> you know, one of the things I tell people is, listen, trying to choose the way you obey God is not Christianity. You have to do what God says. So let me give you an example. The Lord says you should honor the people who lead you financially, right? And then you decide, no, I'm not going to honor them financially. I'm rather going to give my money to the poor. You haven't, it's, it's not like you can't in your wisdom determine the standards of obedience. The Lord has asked us to minister to the poor. Am I right? So you have an obligation to the poor. The Lord has asked us to minister to those who minister to us. Galatians 6, 6. Am I right? You have an obligation. You cannot say because so if the poor now does something wrong, what will you now do? Say, oh, I'm not giving to the poor again. What will I do? So we don't determine our obedience by our emotions. We determine you are only called obedient if you do what is written in scriptures. Not what you feel. So this guy was now forbidding people from receiving traveling ministers. And then what that happened is because he had authority in the church, a bit of authority in the church, those who receive traveling ministers, he would excommunicate them from church. That's how bad the atrophus was. Right? Look at it. For those who wish to, putting them out of the church. So you see somebody who is saying, well, I want to, uh, I want to you know, receive this traveling minister. And then he looks for a while and puts the guy out of the church. How do we do this today? When we see people who want to contribute to the church, we start telling them stories of bad experiences we have had until the zeal in them will just die off. I'm not just talking about money, so don't you, you know for me. I'm not talking about money. We see somebody who wants to be committed to a church, who wants to serve in a unit, then you now bring all your past experience. That is how I was serving in the First Baptist Church of, uh, of, uh, of Mount Zion. After serving, 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 one day the pastor's wife just got up. I said, ah, that was how trouble started. Though. I packed my things. I went, you know, after telling all of those experiences, do you think the person will still want to serve? Unconsciously, you're putting them out of the church. I don't know what joy we derive in always pointing out the negative things that are within a local church. I don't know why that gives some of us joy. Do you mean that you haven't had anything good from a church? Do you, uh, can you really stand before the Lord and say for all your years of Christianity, the church has always been bad to you? Or you've always had bad pastors? Who swindled you? Who took your money? Who lied to you? I actually think that sometimes it is actually cooperating with the devil to stop the advance of God's work. I can't tell you how many people sit at home on Sunday morning and not, not coming, they're not fellowshipping in church because of bad experiences. And it's not a good thing. Instead of getting more people into the kingdom, we want to do what? We want to pull more people out. Some of us are too wise to be in a local church. I heard someone say the other time, trying to interpret scriptures. He said, well, the New Testament pastor needs to have elders. You cannot have one pastor over the church. You cannot have one pastor over a church. That is Babylon. 
We have elders. I said, no problem. When Jesus, I mean, when Jesus was going up to the mountain, he took Peter, James, and John. Why didn't he carry all the disciples? He took Peter, James, and John. And when Paul got born again, he says, when the pillars of the church saw what was in my hand, they extended the right hand of fellowship to me. When they had the Jerusalem council meeting, why did they subject everything to Peter? And Peter had to make the final statement regarding the Gentiles and the Jews. On the day of Pentecost, why didn't the 11 disciples speak all at once? The Bible says Peter standing up among them. When Peter finished, why didn't Bartholomew say, I have something to say to add to what Peter has said as a presiding elder in this local assembly? Are you following what I'm saying? See, because when people now want to rebel against authority, they start bringing all kinds of things and call it rema. Why didn't the Bible say to the angels of the church in Ephesus? Why did it say to the angel? The word angel is angel, messenger. Why, was it, why didn't he say to the angels? Speaking malicious words. The scripture tell, tells us very clearly that a false witness should not be brought against an elder except there are two or three witnesses. Don't say things about ministers you're not sure of. What you read on the blog. Praise God. You know, I was, I was, just, I was telling some of the pastors, one of, one of the brothers in church got me a phone. And I said, if people see me with that phone now, they might just feel that, wow, this guy has money. No. You know, we can't be explaining to everybody, this one, they bought it from you. This one, this person, you can't do it. Some of you, I, need, I know some people just sit down, look at a minister, you have calculated his wealth. Say, that guy is worth six billion. Forget it. I know what I'm saying. From where? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And before you know unfounded rumors, the scripture says even things that angels are afraid to say, we say them. Facebook will help you. You know, sometimes even when the Lord blesses you, you want to cover it up. Why? Because you, you don't just want to give a room. I think that if you actually love your pastor, whoever pastor that pastors you now, because you know people get to listen to our messages, but if you actually love your pastor, you shouldn't mind your pastor living well. I think so. If the man is laboring in word and doctrine, you shouldn't. Why would you want your pastor to suffer? Praise God. Or why would you want someone doing God's work to suffer? How many of you were here on Sunday when we, was this Sunday we received the offering for the missionary in, in Ibadan? Was this last Sunday? The upper Sunday, right? He sent us a letter, I sent it to our board, maybe we'll look for a way and print it out or read it out or something. He sent us a letter that they were in a, in a crisis where they needed extra money and they, in fact, that money was a, in fact, when he was telling us thank you, he shared the whole testimony, it's a full letter that I sent to our board people, right? That that money was needed at that time 
to save someone who was going through a serious health challenge. You know, when we sent the money, it's not somebody we know. We get to know the ministry to one of our brothers. So he went online to put the name of the church and found out that we're located in Bonnie. So it's not like we send the money, we now call them and say, check your account. We have sent it. It was almost like an anonymous donation. But imagine if we have much money, how much more we'll do for many people all over the world. I'll say this to you. Never say things against ministers. And I'm, I'm using the word ministers now because we're studying the scripture. But I just think against anyone that you're not sure of the facts. Are you following what I'm saying? Because they said, they said, never has the roots. You never say, who are the day? It's never. And that's why you see people just come, Pastor, are many people in this church are not happy. So, okay, name them. He said, no, don't worry. I just feel I should tell you because we are close. No. No. So the guy was using malicious words. Speaking against because one of the ways you turn people's hearts from a vision is to speak against. You see, words are powerful. Words, words are powerful. No word will leave you the same. No conversation will leave you the same. Are you following what I'm saying? No conversation. Anybody you love right now is for me to consistently speak bad about that person. You know what's going to happen? Give yourself some time. That love is going to be converted to hatred because words are the power of conversion. What causes divorce in marriage is words. The first day you just say, I don't know why I married you. One phrase. And then they continue, continue. I don't know why I married you. If not because you're adding. Before you know, you start calling yourself names. And then you consistently say, I will leave you one day. I will leave you one day. I will leave this house. It's better to be alone. You shall have what you say, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. And then when you see those two people in court judging their case, you will think they never met. You know, sometimes you ask people that, so how did both of you meet at the first place? Then like Job, you begin to say, curse the day we met. And meanwhile, on Facebook, you have uploaded 100 days accounting. We will spend forever together. You've forgotten all of those words. What happened? Words change the atmosphere. If you want to change the scene, change the sound. And that's what happened to Geotrephus. He was sowing discord in the church by speaking against John. Forbidding people from receiving traveling ministers. And using his authority to put people out of the church. This is the one thing I'll ask you this morning. Whoever you are influencing, are you, are you aiding their advancement in the things of God or you're pulling them away from the church? Are your friends more committed to church? Or your discussion is causing their commitment to come down? You know, there are people who can be committed to church. And as your own is too much. It's too much. There are many people. Right? I was thinking today when I was coming on the boat, I was saying, what privilege it is to be committed, you know, for God to commit this cause into your hands. I was reading the words of Paul. He says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. What privilege for us to get people into the church, for us to get involved in the things of God. I'll ask you, at the end of your life, when you stand before the Lord, what will you tell him you did? Like, God, man, you know, there was this, like, God, I really want to tell you something. There was this architectural design that I designed. Even Buhari loved it. Let me show you. Is that what you're going to tell God? We're going to be like, man, God, finally I've met you. There was this investment. 
Everybody thought it would not come true. But by the time I finished calculating like this, like this, I, pop, we made six million. Is that what you're going to present before the Lord? You know, sometimes when you stand before the Lord, these things will look very pale. One of the prayers you should always pray in your life is that for God to open your eyes to see the vanity of the, materi- of the material world. That it's all vain. It's all vain. Like, like, when I mean vain, vain, there's nothing to it. But you have to see it from the eyes of your spirit. You have to see that there's no greater commitment of your time than to the things of the Father. Praise God. That, listen, I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, receiving, we talked about receiving traveling missionaries. I'm going to contribute this as part of my effort to the gospel, to get the gospel out there. And not use our words against sent ones. And not use our words against the church. Paul warns us about this. Let's read that. Book of Romans. Romans chapter 16. Then we can begin to, to wrap up. On Wednesday we'll finish with Demetrius. Romans chapter 16. Use every influence you have for the pro- propagation of the gospel. Praise God. Romans 16 verse 17. Now I urge you brethren, not those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For those who do such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. It says, mark them. Those who cause division among you. One of the things the Lord hates is that is he who sows discord. It says, they do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. What was he trying to say? They serve their own satisfaction. Let's use everything in our power for the gospel. Everything. Everything. There's much more that can be done. There's much more that can be done. You see someone being hospitable to preachers or someone giving to the cause of the ministry, don't be like the Archivers. Don't stop them. Don't stop them. You see someone, you know, serving, don't dampen their zeal. Don't use your desire for position and authority push people down the rank. You know, my dad used to say something. He says, listen, (laughs) instead of all of us fighting over this one mic, we can all just plant churches. Because it's the same message. Go preach it somewhere else. I remember when I came from youth service and I told my dad I was called into full-time ministry where he wanted me to walk, but I I didn't, well, I felt convinced not to walk. Then, I remember one day I was in the office. So he came to me and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm in the office reading. Uh-uh. He said, then he told me, I said, you said God has called you into full-time ministry. I said, yeah. He said, so what are you reading? So I showed him the book. He said, have you read this book before? I said, I'm just reading. He said, no, you don't start ministry by reading. So you go to the street and go and preach. <laughs> then he told me something. He said, don't think you will ever preach in this church because you are my son. 
you will preach because the Lord gives you the opportunity to preach, not because you are my son. So you can't be reading here and waiting till when I will die for you to collect my go and preach. <laughs> That's how I started preaching. Praise God. We must encourage people to go all out for the gospel. It's, it's what our life. It's what our finances. It's what our time. It's the only thing that will count. It's the only thing that will matter. It's the only thing that is eternal. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. Praise God. That's the only thing. We must never relent. Like girls, we must be commended for our partnership with the truth. Take advantage of the opportunities to spread the gospel. Take advantage of it. Opportunities to spread the gospel and go for it. There are many opportunities. Your co-workers, share with them about the gospel. Share materials with them. Share the messages with them. Make it your supreme task. That's what Archbishop Bidausa used to say. Evangelism is supreme task. You'll be amazed when you start taking steps for the gospel, how the Holy Spirit will lead you. You'll be amazed. What God will do through your life. Hallelujah. What God will do through your life. This year, we're supposed to do a secondary school camp. And um, because of the main camp we're doing in August, uh, I told my team back in Warrior and the guys that work with me, I said, we're not going to do it. What we needed was 400000 to do the camp. So, well, I'm not going to do it. Let's just leave it. We'll do it next year. And unknown to me, they were praying about it. They were like, no, because the children, they really like, they want to get back to camp and all that. They were praying about it. And um, three days ago, someone called one of our pastors and says, what about the secondary school camp? in worry and said he said well um pastor said we should leave it now let's focus on the main camp because of the money and he said oh okay because i had something i wanted to give and then he gave he said well whenever you guys want to do it it's fine and he gave us a check it was exactly four hundred thousand, exactly that amount and then around two o'clock the guy couldn't wait he called me up at night he says we have the money give us the date we have the money give us the date there's much more we can do. I've lived that way all my life. I've seen God meet the exact need, the exact need, miraculously, just to get things done. You know what I know? You know what? One thing I know? If God gives a vision, he would release the resource for that vision. The thing is, are we going to be part of it? That's the question. And I, I can tell you that. In 12 years, we've never had to beg or do anything for that. But listen, we want to do more for God. You should also have the same desire. Praise the name of the Lord. You should have the same desire. Your friends, your colleagues, get them born again. Don't just be incorporating people into your business and not finding out if they are saved. You know, some of us, we don't care about the salvation of people now. What we care about is, can they bring money? You're running a business with someone who is not born again. You have not even thought you can share the gospel. You say, I don't want to jeopardize my chances. I don't want to jeopardize this contract that is coming. I don't want to spoil it. Can you hear what you are saying? 
that you don't want to spoil the contract by preaching the gospel. What that simply tells us is that in our order of priority, profit is more important than the souls of men. Are you following what I'm saying? And the truth of the matter is that from pulpit to pew, we all need to make adjustments and begin to make the main thing the main thing in church. Are you following what I'm saying? Because it's not just to have the money and celebrate with ourselves and gather and have all kinds of... You know, when we don't have what we need to do, that's when all kinds of programs start coming up. So you are nights. So you are nights of glory. You know, because you know when you pick one, one Bible word and add, it becomes Christian. Can you just have Suya nights of glory? What I say, we just want to have Suya. We just, then we just preach a little to them. Just a little. We want to use the Suya to attract them. And 90% of the people who are attracted to the Suya nights of glory are your church members. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I can do that. I can just say, okay, this Sunday we want to eat Suya. There's no problem about it. It's not, God won't punish us. Let's just tell ourselves that we want to eat. Then it's fine. But that if we want to preach... Let's not say Suya Night of Glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can just decide that this Sunday we want to watch a movie. It's not to, I mean, we can just do it. We can just say, okay, let's eat today. Let everybody just eat. That's what is love feast. There's nothing wrong with it. But don't now say that because you want to eat. It's a way to reach people. No. You don't reach people through Suya Night of Glory. You reach people by preaching the gospel. And not in 10 minutes. Not when people have suya stick in their mouth. You just say, is anyone who has they will, ask, they, will, they will come and accept Christ. You know, people who accept Christ here, accept Christ in another uh, tea night of glory. They will accept Christ in another ram night. Because why? They have not heard the gospel. Will you not accept Christ if you have uh, uh, suya, suya in your mouth? And then I say, come forward, say this prayer after me. Why will you not come forward? Why will, why will you not accept Christ with suya? Why not? The gospel must be preached and heard and conviction bettered. That's when a man becomes born again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's when a man becomes born again. And once he's born again, that way there's death. Theologians and researchers worldwide has agreed that the African church is white but very shallow. What that means is we can say that there are so, so million number of Christians in Nigeria and the corruption index is not, is not decreasing. Do you understand? You, you, see, you see a new election and you discover that men have devised ways. Cadre is not working. Results are showing. And who is the resident commissioner of that team? Is a deacon. You don't understand. Like you ask yourself, so what are we doing? Why? And yet you call for a convention. Six million gathered. You check the corruption. This thing have even dropped. Meaning that guys have devised more means of corruption by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And you know what? It puts a great responsibility on everybody seated here today that this thing has to go deeper. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the danger is that when, I, when the younger generation come up and they see the shallowness of the faith, they will walk away from it. That's the struggle we have with young people today. Praise the name of the Lord. 
So what are the four things about Diotrephos? Seeks to have preeminence. Speaks malicious words against the people John sent and against John. Forbids the brethren from receiving traveling ministers. And those who desire to receive traveling ministers, what does he do? He put them out of the church. All our actions must contribute towards building the church of God. Whatever you want to do, ask yourself, will this build the church? Will this help the church? Will this increase the church? Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we yield ourselves to you. And we ask this morning that our hearts will be turned in the right direction. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.